Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 6th of December, 2021, the 2nd of Tevet, 5782. Coming to you here this morning from a beautiful Gush Etzion, Israel, just south of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the Jewish people and the state of Israel, here on the last day of Hanukkah. We lit the eight candles last night. Today's the last day of Hanukkah. Hope you had, for those who celebrate, a wonderful holiday of light. Hope it was special. Hope it was meaningful. It certainly was for me. We are going to get to the news here today. Several stories here, all in the same, I guess if you want to call it genre, you can. Uh, Terrorism. Terror attacks here in Israel. I saw this morning that Israel is now on a heightened state of alert. I don't know exactly what that means from a military angle in terms of what was different yesterday than today, but numerous, numerous terror attacks over the last 48, 72 hours here in the state of Israel. And of course, unfortunately, last week we talked about a terror attack resulting in the death of Ellie Kay. We talked about that last week, the young man who was murdered by a Muslim terrorist in the old city of Jerusalem. So we're going to start with this. Here's the story. The first attack we're going to talk about here. And here you have a situation where the focus of what happened gets turned on its head. So here we are now 48 hours after a Muslim terrorist tried to murder a Jew in Jerusalem. The story isn't about what the terrorist did. But the question is, did the border police use too much force to stop the terrorist? The entire narrative shifted. You can check it out on social media, the Israel haters, and unfortunately, some Israeli radical organizations shifting the narrative from the focus on a young man going towards the old city of Jerusalem for prayer who was nearly murdered. Thank God he's doing okay, but nearly murdered in a terror attack and then and the story shifted so again outside of jerusalem's shar shem or damascus gate on saturday a an arab or muslim terrorist moderately wounded an israeli in a stabbing you can go online you can see the video border police officers at the scene shot the assailant dead and that was dubbed by some to be a war crime this is not the onion folks This is how it was reported by some, a war crime. The Israeli was a 20-year-old Haredi, ultra-Orthodox man who was given medical treatment and rushed to the hospital where he is in stable condition. But some social media users, again, this is, by the way, the Jerusalem Post here is the source, some social media users up in arms after a video, and by the way, some only showed parts of the video, featured the attacker, a 25-year-old Muslim lying on the ground after being shot by the border police officers. And then he was shot a second time and he was killed. Now, the officers were investigated. And from what I understand this morning, um, they've already been released. In other words, they did the right thing. Okay, they did the right thing by neutralizing and then finishing off this terrorist If you look closely in the video, it's a grainy video, but you see that he was not 
100% neutralized. Maybe he had a gun. Maybe he had a bomb. Maybe he was going to try to get back up and stab other people. So the officers did the correct thing. But somehow, the focus shifted from the terror attack to the investigation, and the attack itself stopped becoming news. And even as some Israeli officials, again, in the Knesset, came out basically on the side of the terrorists, saying he was gunned down in cold blood, it wasn't necessary, on and on and on. You have some members of Knesset, mainly from the Arab parties, who believe that the border police used too much force, which is an absolute joke. They did the right thing. They saved lives, other lives potentially, and they have already been released from the investigation. Uh, Prime Minister Naftali Bennett praised the border police officers for their actions, stated they acted quickly with determination, and and what is, that is what is expected of them. Members of Knesset and those who say that these border policemen did too much as I just said, the focus number one should be on the fact that a Jew was attacked on Shabbat near the old city in Jerusalem. That is the focus of the story. Secondly, for those quick to condemn, how are, you, how are you basing your opinion on a grainy video? Do you know what happened? Do you know, as I mentioned before, if the border police officers thought the guy was reaching for a gun or had a bomb on him? And thirdly, you know, every case is different. There are those who are comparing this incident to other incidents before it. And you can't do that because each and every case, every terror attack is different. People were automatically drawing conclusions that these guys used too much force, or I should say a guy and a gal, I think it was a border police woman, was one of the two heroes. They should be called heroes for what they did. For those who are comparing this story to Elior Azaria, an Israeli soldier who neutralized the terrorist in Hebron about five years ago, he was arrested because it was claimed that he arrived at the scene after it was already a done deal. So he was arrested to time in Israeli jail. And whether, and there are a lot of hot opinions on this issue as well, but whether or not you think Azaria used too much force or not, how can anyone say this is the same story when each and every incident is different? So my point is stop making comparisons. Stop with the knee-jerk reactions based on a grainy clip on Twitter. Just stop. But the bottom line, I want to stress it over and over again, the bottom line, let's remember the story here. It is a Muslim terrorist who tried to murder a Jew in the city of Jerusalem. That is the real story here. And switching to another attack, unfortunately, this just happened several hours ago. One security official was injured on the last night of Hanukkah reported here by the Jewish press in a terrorist ramming attack. A terrorist driving, from what I understand, 90 kilometers per hour tried to ram his car into soldiers or security personnel at the Ta'anim checkpoint near the Palestinian Authority city of Tulkarm. Uh, one of the security personnel was seriously injured. From what I understand, he is in stable condition. Uh, the terrorist in critical condition. 
no, now they're saying the terrorist died from his wounds. The terrorist died from his wounds who tried to carry out a car ramming attack. And again, another reason why we are now on so-called high alert here in Judea and Samaria and parts of Jerusalem. The third attack, that was the Jewish press, also the Jerusalem Post here, reporting yesterday that two border police officers were injured in a also in a ramming attack in Um al-Fahim. That is a city within so-called Israel proper in the Galilee. Uh, one of the assailants was killed. Police arrested six residents of the town in connection to riots taking place there. The border police officers fired towards a car, which was trying to ram them, again, killing one of the suspects and injuring a second. One officer moderately wounded, another slightly wounded. According to this report, the assailants, residents of Umal Fakhim, were known to police. A lot of fighting going on between Arab clans in different areas in the country right now. And in this case, looks like they wanted to turn their rage or their anger uh, against the Israeli security officials. So those are just three major, I would call the major, or at least attacks that made the news, in addition to the regular rock throwing and firebomb attacks, which take place on the roads on a daily basis. But that's where we already are now here, folks. In addition to the murder of Ellie Kay, may God avenge his blood, several other, call them major terror attempts over the last several days here in Israel. Switching to the situation with Iran. Israel, front page of today's Jerusalem Post, Israel will act against Iran on its own should the international community fail to thwart Tehran's nuclear ambitions through diplomatic means. President Isaac Herzog warned the United States yesterday. If the international community does not take a vigorous stance on this issue, Israel will do so, Herzog told U.S. Ambassador to Israel Thomas Nides. Israel will protect itself. So Iran in the news Times of Israel says that the Mossad chief, David Barnea, was traveling to Washington or was set to travel to Washington yesterday to discuss the Iranian issue with senior Biden administration officials. The trip comes days after the halt of renewed negotiations to restore the 2015 accord, limiting Iran's nuclear program in exchange for sanctions relief. That, of course, is a bad deal. And Iran at this point isn't even, isn't even willing to join a deal which is good for them because they are calling the shots in the face of, I think we talk about this like every single week, in the face of weakness, in the face of appeasement. The U.S. either directly or indirectly through these other parties showing such extreme weakness. Iran is just playing with them. Iran is calling the shots here. Listen to this. An unnamed source told the Haaretz newspaper that the U.S. was surprised by how extreme Iran's demands were in the restarted talks last week. Of course they were extreme. They are owning you. They are calling the shots. They want all sanctions lifted. Period. And you guys are just, you meaning the world community, you're just playing with them. Or actually, to be more precise, they are playing with you. You guys are playing around. You guys are showing weakness, begging Iran to come back to the deal. You are playing, the United States is playing right into their hands. While more and more, it looks like Israel will have to act alone. I guess those talks in Vienna were called off. But the U.S. saying here, 
one official saying that he hoped Iran would return, quote, with a serious attitude, begging the mullahs to come back to the table. What a joke, but it's not funny at all, the situation in regard to Iran and how the Biden administration is handling it. It's pretty scary, folks. It is pretty, pretty scary. Israel National News Arucheva said yesterday that Prime Minister Naftali Bennett addressing his cabinet on Sunday morning. The Prime Minister said, I call on all countries that are negotiating with Iran in Vienna to stick to the line of attack and make it clear to Iran that it is impossible to simultaneously enrich uranium and negotiate. The Prime Minister continued, he said, our goal is to take advantage of the time window that opens between rounds to tell our friends in the U.S. this is exactly the time to use a different basket of tools in the face of Iran's enrichment. Iran must start paying prices for its violations. There is a time for everything, a time to be silent and a time to speak. Now is the time to speak out, Bennett concluding. Concluded, rather. And again, obviously, I don't have the information behind the scenes in terms of where Iran is. A lot of different people claim they know where Iran is in terms of their enrichment program and how how far along they are. But it is certainly heating up. The action on the ground is heating up. And Israel, as I said before, our president, as well as our prime minister, making clear that Israel will act alone if necessary. We shall see, folks. We shall see. But of course, what is the Biden administration busy with? Other than appeasing Iran, they're busy with uh, Jewish kindergartens in Judea and Samaria. That's really what they're thinking about right now. That's what their focus is. The U.S. strongly emphasized its objection to Israeli so-called settlement advancement in a conversation Secretary of State Blinken had with Prime Minister Bennett this past Thursday, reported here by the J-Post. Blinken strongly emphasized that Israel and the PA should refrain from unilateral steps. I don't even want to read this. It's like over and over again, each and every week. Israel should refrain from unilateral steps, uh, basically comparing their terror attacks. Those are their unilateral steps to Israel building homes and kindergartens when there is a housing shortage. At issue in particular is a project for 9,000 new homes. We've talked about this before uh, for a neighborhood in Jerusalem uh, called uh, Atarot. They're supposed to build 9,000 houses there. And back and forth, one week or one day, rather, we hear that the project is moving forward. Then we hear it's been paused. Then we hear it's been uh, it's moving forward again. According to an Israeli official, Bennett told Blinken the project was just at the planning stage. I think that's a weak response, unfortunately, from our prime minister. I don't think we need to explain or justify or make excuses and say, no, don't worry about it. It's only at the beginning stages, a long way to go. Don't worry about it. Don't be uh, so concerned. I would say to them, we build because we need homes. Jews can build homes in Paris and in Washington and anywhere else in the world. Certainly Jews can build in Jerusalem. That's, that's the message I would have conveyed to the U.S. administration. I wouldn't play games with, well, we're in the planning stages. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. Blah, blah, blah. I would say Jews can build in Jerusalem. Period. That's the end of the story. That's what I would have done. Anyway, so there you have the U.S. and now you have the United Nations adopting three resolutions reported by JNS News 
I'm proud to be a regular contributor to JNS News. UN adopts three resolutions condemning Israel, ignoring the Jewish ties to the Temple Mount. The world community publicly ignoring Jewish ties to our holiest site, refusing to recognize the Temple Mount as such, referring to it by its Muslim name only, Haram al-Sharif. Those are resolutions being passed there at the UN General Assembly, which, by the way, are not legally binding, you should know. They're recommendations, but nevertheless, the UNGA passed three resolutions last week targeting Israel, which brings the total to 14 resolutions being adopted in the, ne- in the next month that single out the Jewish state. 14 resolutions adopted all on Israel. UN Watch a great organization led by Executive Director Hillel Neuer, said the UN's assault on Israel with a torrent of one-sided resolutions is surreal. He said it's absurd that in the year 2021, out of some 20 UN General Assembly resolutions that criticize countries, 70% are focused on one single country, Israel. What drives these lopsided condemnations is a powerful political agenda to demonize the Jewish state. So again, three resolutions against Israel. One of them... Not one of them referring to the Temple Mount, Judaism's holy site, by its Muslim name. Another resolution solely puts the blame on Israel for the lack of peace in the Middle East. Makes no mention of terror attacks, human rights violations by the PA, Hamas, and uh, Palestinian Islamic Jihad. And this is just several days after the UN held its annual International Day of Solidarity with the Palestinians. On November 29th, you remember that was the date where the Jews accepted the UN proposed resolution for a state and the Arabs rejected it. Somehow that day is now a sacred date on the UN calendar. And instead of talking about how the Arabs rejected a state on that date, they're using it as a, as a day to promote the establishment of a so-called Palestinian state. It's just a crazy world, people. It is a crazy world out there. But... Just like the story of Hanukkah, the minority won the battles, the Maccabees, against the majority. And just because there is a majority on an issue, that does not make them right. Sometimes, and oftentimes when it comes to Israel, the minority opinion is the moral moral ground, the moral high ground, I should say, even if the rest of the world is sleeping. Uh, moving on here, Times of Israel reports that the Health Ministry Director General Nachman Ash and Coronavirus Czar Salman Zarka said yesterday it was too early for Israel to let its guard down over the highly mutated Omicron coronavirus variant. For those who do not know or are not aware, right now tourists, unless their specific circumstances um, which would allow them to do so, tourists are not allowed to come here into the state of Israel. These skies are essentially closed. Exceptions are being made. You have the Miss Universe a pageant taking place next week down in a lot. So certain exceptions are being made to allow people into the country, but overall, the skies are closed, I think, for another five, six days or so officially. We'll see if Israel extends that. But the health officials are adding that the strain is still spreading in South Africa. We do not know the data regarding its resistance to the vaccine. 
Um, people are not sure. They've never seen this before. And, uh, and we don't know where it's headed. So right now, there is a travel ban for tourists to come into Israel. I don't know if you saw this story. The New York Post reported that, that an elderly, this sounds like anti-Semitism. Maybe we'll call it our anti-Semitism report for this week. An elderly Brooklyn couple was thrown off an American Airlines flight because they refused to place a bag containing their sacred prayer shawl on the floor, according to a lawsuit. So you have a couple from Brooklyn, and the husband has a talit, a prayer shawl, which Jews use for morning services. And apparently a flight attendant saw this prayer shawl in the overhead bin, uh, pulled it out of the overhead bin, and asked, Who, whose is this? When the... The gentleman, his name is Roberto. This is Roberto and Alana Berman. Roberto claimed it. She allegedly threw the bag. The flight attendant threw the bag on his lap and said it had to go under his seat. When he said it was a religious item, couldn't go on the floor. Basically, the flight attendant went berserk. And uh, eventually, this couple was thrown off the plane. Again, this sounds... It sounds like this flight attendant knew exactly what he or she was doing when again, I don't know if it's a man or a woman threw the talit and demanded that it be placed under the seat. A couple actually came to the U S from Argentina where they said they encountered frequent anti-Semitism, and Roberto said, quote, I couldn't believe this was happening to me in America. So there is a lawsuit against United airlines American Airlines, let's get that clear. American Airlines, sorry. And the couple was shocked that nobody said a word. Nobody defended us. It was embarrassing. Uh, Nobody stepped in there when the flight attendant threw this prayer shawl, Talit, and demanded that it be put under the seat. Yisrael Hayom reports, switching gears here, a woman in her 20s from the Arab-majority city of Taiba. It's also in northern Israel, has been sentenced to 30 months in prison for spying for Hezbollah. A woman, this woman was convicted by a Lod district court on charges of contact with a foreign agent and passing information to an enemy after she admitted to photographing defense sites and passing information to a Hezbollah operative. Uh, this woman apparently was contacted by Hezbollah in 2018, asked to take pictures inside Israel which she did, including images of the Iron Dome batteries, military vehicles, and whatnot. And she will now be in a jail cell for 30 months for spying for Hezbollah. Several news stories here to finish on a good note. Israel 21C, which I quote pretty frequently these days, almost publishing positive news coming out of Israel. Um, There is a, a new medical technology from the Technion, Israel Institute of Technology. They have created a smart sutureless dressing that binds together the edges of a wound, wards off infection, and even digitally reports on the wound's condition to the surgeon. In lab experiments, wounds closed with the smart dressing healed as fast as those closed with sutures. Moreover, they showed reduced rates of infection. So here you have a new Israeli technology 
It is now being patented, and discussions are already in the works with um, with different companies around the world to bring this technology to market. It's Professor Hossam Haik, a chemical engineering, his chemical engineering lab at the Technion, creating this advanced, smart, sutureless dressing um, that binds the edges of a wound together and does all these other positive things. Israel, once again, contributing to the world. If you're not a fan, if you're a BDS hater, do not use this new technology. And if you're in the need of surgery and they offer you this type of dressing, stay strong, keep the boycotting, do not be a hypocrite against the state of Israel. Do not use our technology. Finally, the, the weather here in Israel. We had a few days of rain so far. Overall, I would say, I'm not a meteorologist, I would say it's been a pretty dry winter, but that could change on Wednesday. There's supposed to be a sharp, according to Israel National News, a drop in temperature, rain showers in the north of the country, and then the rain will intensify and spread throughout Israel. We love the rain. It is a blessing. It is a blessing for our crops, for our fields. Uh, there's nothing like rain here in Israel. It's amazing to see. And other places in the world, listen, I grew up in the States. You don't think twice about the fact that it's raining outside, but here everyone makes a huge deal about it because it is so important to have rain here in the state of Israel. Such a blessing. And on that note, I'd like to say thank you to Benjamin Bresky, engineer extraordinaire, Tabitha Epstein for everything she does behind the scenes. My name is Josh Haston. Get in touch with me during the week, Josh at the land of Israel.com. On Facebook, Joshua Haston or Josh Haston, Israel Advocacy and Journalism on Twitter at Josh Haston and on Instagram as well. Everyone out there in the wonderful world of ours, be safe, have a great week. Wishing you only the best from Gush Etzion, Israel, in the hills of Judea, just south of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Have a great week, everybody. During the darkest time of the year, we light the Hanukkah candles to remember that the truth and values we brought to the world in Mount Sinai will endure forever. And that every person who loves Israel and stands with Israel is a modern-day Maccabee. And just as God performed magnificent miracles before the eyes of the world through the Maccabees in those days, God is performing even greater miracles through the Maccabees at this time. Because here in the land of Israel, we never forget that just one candle can illuminate the entire world. Happy Hanukkah from the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com.